Now, we are in part two of Kingdom Culture. This series has been in my heart now for uh, multiple months. I've been planning for a while on this series and really felt just the urgency as your pastor to really talk to the body of Christ and the church and teach us how to become unshakable. How to become unshakable. The, you know, a lot of uncertainty in the world. And as we talked last week, really the foundation of the, the, the gospel and, the Christ, and Christianity and our faith, it's unshakable. Like Jesus isn't shaken up. God's not concerned. He's not frantically moving around in heaven saying, oh my God, can you believe He he didn't catch him off guard. And and so what I have determined is that if God is not shaken up, his word says we don't have to be shaken up. And so though the things are happening around us, it doesn't mean it has to affect what's in us. And so I'm not saying we're going to have a problem-free life. Don't don't kid yourself. When I say 2021 is going to be our best year, doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges and struggles and problems and issues. It just means, look, though the devil may come to try to steal, kill, and destroy, I know a God who's come to give us life and life abundantly. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And it's like, that's where we have to just say, look, I don't understand it, but the devil doesn't have the final word. My God has the final word, and I'm going to be unshakable in the midst of what's happening in this culture. And really, we see Hebrews 12, 28, which is the theme passage of where my, my whole idea for this series and the message came from was, I was reading this passage, and it says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Like I said, God's not moved. And we know that he is unshakable, but how do we become unshakable? We've got to receive the kingdom that's unshakable. And the more of God we have on the inside of us, the more solid, the more courageous, the more steadfast, the more immovable we become because we're not living by the world's ways and the world's systems, but we're living by the kingdom of God. And I want you to know that as a believer, regardless of how hopeless it looks, we have hope. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is our hope. He is the one that gives us the ability to move towards the future and not be afraid, not be uh, depressed. Anybody felt like, man, I feel like I just a little bit of depression. You're like, my God, what is happening in society? You can begin to be a little discouraged and think, man, what, what it feels like. How many know it kind of feels like the world is falling apart? Like the sky has fallen. Like you, you, I, I, someone came into my office the other day and said, you know, the report of the Capitol and there's a coup. And I'm like, what in the, like, like what in the world? The fact that we even mention an attack in the Capitol. Who would have ever imagined? Who would have ever dreamed? But I know this, my hope is not in politics. My hope is not in the economy. My hope is not even in the vaccine. It's not even in my spouse or my job. It is in Jesus. 
And look, those things are great. We're going to vote in the political system. We're going to do whatever your, your, your conscience tells you with the vaccine. You're going to do what you got to do to have a job. And, but, but those things are not where my hope is found. My hope is found in Jesus. And look at what the word says in Matthew 6.33. talked about it last week. And it says, but seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. And so, if I'm going to receive an unshakable kingdom, I've got to seek that kingdom first. I got to put God first. And really, when he says seek the kingdom, what he's talking about, the kingdom is really God's way of living, God's way of doing things. So, I'm going to seek God's way of living for my life. And I'm not just going to seek some of it. I'm going to seek all of it and not just sometimes, but all the times. And I'm going to do it first. I mean, you know, sometimes we look at that God, he's like, we go to God when there's no one else to go to. Like prayer doesn't often look like it's a first resort for Christians, it's, a, it's, it's always this last resort. It's like, man, I've done this and this and well, I guess I'll pray. You know, I read this book about self-helps and I tried to do that. No, no, we got to pray first. Everybody say pray first. I got to say it again, say pray first. I got to seek the kingdom of God first, primarily. It's the, it's, God's not just on my list, he's at the top of my list. Put him first in every area of my life. And that's what I love about the 21 days of prayer and fasting. 21 days of prayer and fasting has been about us reorganizing the priorities of our life. It's about us really getting rid of the distractions, excuse me, the distractions. It's about us saying, God, I, I, I refuse to allow the things that I like to get in the way of the one that I love. And how many know this world has a way of distracting us? Sometimes we just need a reset. I know to reset. Like I, anybody want a do-over? It's like I just I just need a do-over. I just need to reset 2021. And that's really what this whole 21 days of prayer and fast. We're on day eight. I know some of you came in, you're like, Pastor, I'd worship, but there's no coffee running through my veins. <laughs> yeah, you've given up some coffee and Giving up food. Come on, how many are doing a full fast? It's like, God, I, I give up food because I'm seeking you more than the thing that I would enjoy. I mean, no, I'd love to have some chocolate chip muffins. Love to have a pan of brownies, but God, I love you more. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to voluntarily make myself weak so that I can hear from you and position my life and be a part of your kingdom in a greater way, in a greater capacity. And I love what I'm hearing, some of the stories of what God's doing. Uh, Katiana texted me yesterday. I don't know if she's in here, but she's a young lady that I text, uh, mentored in the fellowship. And she was talking about prayer. We're doing prayer Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. at the Fort Bend Dream Center. And then on Saturdays at 9 a.m., it's an hour long. And if you can come on site, I want to encourage you to come on site. We socially distance. They clean it before and after. Do all the things that we need to do if you can't join us online. Well, she happened to be virtual. And she said, look, I couldn't make it today. She said, but I was watching online. And at the end, we do corporate prayer. And Vanessa and the team come and lead us in a worship song. And we just begin to pray for today. We, we believe that Sunday starts on Saturday. Began to pray about today. But just, the Holy Spirit just began to speak and pray and move in our lives. And, you know, I just, there was just a supernatural power of God in that moment. And I felt it where we were at, but she said, Pastor, I just want you to know, 
I felt it through the screen. Like in my place, she said, the power of the Holy Spirit was so strong. In the middle of that, I fell to my knees and was praying and joining with you. She said, it was just so powerful. Well, that's what this is all about. It's connecting to the source of power in our life. I mean, he's always there, but how many know sometimes I just need a super dose. He's always there, but sometimes I just got to make sure my life is in alignment. I was talking to another man and he said his marriage is headed for a divorce, been praying and fasting, and he's actually been on site and said, you know, and his wife just they're going in opposite ways and they're headed for a divorce. He said, through this prayer and fasting, we've been praying, focusing. He said, my focus is on God. He said, she said, look, I'm, I, let's talk about it. I'm willing to work it out. Come on, miracles happening in families and marriages. Why? Because we're seeking the kingdom of God first. We're praying, we're fasting. I heard another story of a lady who was praying for her brother who went to the hospital, had a collapsed lung in Guatemala. Just began to pray and ask God to heal. And got a good report that his lung was restored supernaturally. God healed him. Right there. Why? Because we serve a God who does the miraculous. He's alive. He's not a statue that sits on a shelf. He's not dead and buried in a grave. Our God is alive. Jesus, his resurrection power is on the inside of us. Something about letting the kingdom of God be fully expressed and experienced on the inside of us. But I also want to encourage you, listen, when we talk about a kingdom first life, it's not just about what you do. So let me just caution us in Christianity and in our faith and as a church, it's not, oh, I, I go to prayer, so I live a God first life. I go to church. I live a God first life. I go to small groups, which, hey, listen, right now is a great time to be praying about what kind of a small group you want to lead because we believe life change happens in the context of relationship and we're gonna launch them the first week in February. And so you could say, well, I'm a part and I go to small groups. You might even go to Next Steps and may even serve on our dream team, which is volunteers who say, look, I'm not a volunteer. This is a calling. So I'm gonna fulfill my dream and God's dream and we're gonna make kingdom impact. But the thing we have to be careful of is doing those things doesn't mean you have a God-first life. God-first life really focuses on inner transformation, not behavior modification. Inner transformation from the inside out. That God, you change me on the inside. Otherwise, what you have is religion. A bunch of good things it's behavior modification, and then you wonder why it doesn't work. And I'm concerned that as believers, what we see a lot of is a lot of false advertisement. I'm convinced the world wouldn't reject God if they had a real picture of who and what God really is. Like really an image of, hey, this is God. And, and, and the church, for a long time, I believe it's a lot of false advertisement. Imagine coming into the house and you're hot, you're exhausted, you're even dehydrated to the point of death. And you walk into the house and you see your refrigerator. Well, look, I'm going to go get something to drink. And you open the refrigerator and there's a bottle of water 
some Ozarka. And it's nice and cold. And, and you look at it, you're like, that's what I need because I'm dying. And so you go to reach for that bottle that's cold, that looks amazing. And you pick it up and that bottle is empty. There's nothing in it. It said it was water. It looked like water. It was in the right place where water would be. But yet you go to take a sip and there's nothing that gives you life from within inside of that bottle. I wonder if that's not a picture of Christianity. You go to church. You're in all the right places. The world is dead and dying and hurting and going to hell. And they're looking for solution. They're looking for refreshing. They're looking for life. And then they go to you. And you package yourself as a Christian. So that must be the place where I get life. And then they see your life and it's empty. There's no power. It's not God. It's just a label. Christianity. That's, that's the concern of people who say, look, I'm a Christian, but we don't live a God first life. Look, the God first life is where the kingdom of God is established on the inside of us. So that when people need peace, they can go to you and say, look, I see that your life has peace and it's peace that passes understanding. They need joy and they look around and you're so full of joy. Doesn't make sense. Maybe a loved one died. You lost your job. Bad things seem to be happening, but you still got a smile. They say, my God, I need that because what I'm walking through is the same thing you're walking through. And the challenge is, I don't feel like you look. It looks like what you have is real. Looks like there's something different. That, that's where we see the kingdom of God begin to impact the world because God has established his kingdom in us first. Romans 14, 17 says, for the kingdom of God, it's not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life. Everybody say living a life. So it's not in a moment, it's not in an event, it's not at a location, it's living a life of what? Of goodness, of peace, of joy in the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit in a couple of weeks. There's no way you can have kingdom culture and not have the power of the Holy Spirit evident in your life. That is what gives us the ability, the power, the strength, the grace, the courage to live this life un. Shakable. And I, I, I would be remiss to tell you that when you give your life to Christ, look, you got to be retrained. Like it's not life as usual. So kingdom means, look, I'm going to put it first. I got I to go back to the way I think. I got to go back to the way I speak. I got to go back to the way I behave. I got to go back to, to, to my habits. And I got to say, okay, God, I need your kingdom in these areas. Got to be retrained. Why? Because you came out of the old life. Just because you're born again doesn't mean you've been trained in kingdom. Look at what Paul says in Romans 12 too. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Transformed. Everybody say transformed. Come on, say it louder. Say transformed. By the renewing of your mind. So here what I'm looking at is I've got to be renewed in my mind. I've got to be transformed. I've got to be retrained. I've been living the wrong way. I was born again. But wouldn't it be a tragedy to have new life living the old way? It's like, God, you gave me a new life, but I don't live a new way. I've got to be retrained, redeveloped, and 
reprogrammed. And what we see here, that word actually in the original, when you look at uh, the meaning of renewing, it actually means remodel. It's like a construction. It's like I'm going to go in and take out the old and I'm going to put in new. I'm going to rebuild. I'm going to rebuild. And, and what we're doing in this series is, God, I need you to build your kingdom in my life. I got to get out with the old and come in with the new. I may be born again, but it doesn't mean I have a God first life. A kingdom first life. A, a God whatever it takes first life. It's like, God, I choose to let you remodel and reconstruct my Life. Now, if we're going to live kingdom, we've got to really understand the concept of kingdom, understanding, understanding it. In America, we don't fully get the concept of kingdom. So I'm going to take a few minutes. I just want to teach you a little bit about kingdom. It's super important for us as we establish this and move forward in the series. A kingdom has a king, has a government, has a territory, and it has citizens. Every kingdom has a king, it has a government, it has a territory, and then it has citizens. Now, for us here in America, it's really a foreign concept because we don't, we don't really have this mentality of kingdom and, and understand what it looks like to be a theocracy and not a democracy. In America, we're a republic. And a republic, the way we've chosen is we're a democratic republic, which means it's for the people, by the people. So we get to vote, we get to choose. We like something, uh, we vote for it. We don't, we vote against it. And so we, uh, though we have a president or maybe you're, you're dem democracy and you have a prime minister, how many know you vote that president in? You vote the leaders in, you have a say. Well, look, a kingdom doesn't have, it's not a democracy, they don't have a president, doesn't have a prime minister, it has a king. Everybody say king. So you don't get to elect a king. You don't get to vote for a king. A king is sovereign. Sovereign. God places the king on the throne. I, I, I love that Kanye, this last year, look, look, he got it right. When Jesus is king. Jesus is king. That Kanye had to remind the church that Jesus is king. Kanye, God used him to say, Jesus is king. And look at 1 Timothy 1.7. It says, now to the king eternal. Jesus in the president. He's not a prime minister. You don't get to elect him or to unelect him. No, no. He is there because God sovereignly appointed him to be the king over the kingdom of God. And so here we understand that there is a king and his name is Jesus. Then we have a government. A kingdom has a government. Look, Isaiah 9, 6, one part of the Christmas message. For unto us the child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So when he comes... Look, Jesus, he came to this earth. What did he do? He brought a government from heaven to earth. He came to establish heaven's government here on this earth. And we know that for government, the king's words establish the law. 
What a king speaks, that's, that's the law of the land. And in a democracy, laws are open to debate. But in a theocracy, in a kingdom mindset, you don't get the opportunity to debate whether you like this law or that law or, or don't like that one. No, 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 no. It is what it is. The king has spoken. The law is made. God's kingdom is his government. It's based on his thoughts. It's based on his ways. And I mean, we see this right in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus came and began preaching. It's one of the most famous messages, and I'm going to share a little bit about it in this series. But Jesus begins the Sermon of the Mount, and he's, he's really shifting the paradigm. And I love the phrase where he says, you've heard it said, but I say. He says it five times. What's he doing? He's saying, hey, listen, there is a natural government and this is what its language is and what it says. But I want you to know there's another government and I've come to bring the kingdom of God to this place and reveal it to you. And he does it in such a way that he says, this is what we say. This is what I say. His words. Jesus didn't come here to echo. Think about it. Didn't come to echo what your parents thought. Didn't come to echo what the education system Things didn't come to echo religion. He came to speak kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. Every time, and it's amazing, the kingdom is, is mentioned 162 times in the New Testament, mostly by Jesus. And why? Because his mission statement was to come and to bring the message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. So in other words, the king is here. Now he hadn't yet died on the cross, but he understood who was already king. He was king. And he was establishing in the mentality and the mindset of the followers. Remember, they weren't called Christians back there. They were just the followers. They were called the way. And so he's trying to teach his people that he knows he's about to entrust a heavenly government, a heavenly system, a heavenly kingdom in the hands of, think about how crazy this is, 12 teenagers. Right? I mean, I know there were a lot more. But let me, let's, let's just don't kid ourselves. He wasn't preaching for the crowd. He was preaching for the core. He was teaching the crowd, but he knew the crowd was fickle. And he knew that his guys sitting right there, they would have to understand this. Look, I've come to overthrow. And they didn't always get it. See, they thought Jesus was coming to overthrow a natural kingdom, the Roman Empire. And he had to correct them. Look, my kingdom's not of this world. And so he had to shift their paradigm, but yet at the same time continue to teach kingdom principles. It's the only way you could see a radical group of teenagers, and ultimately we know it was 11. But think about this. The kingdom of God was so inside of them that those 11 teenagers that Jesus spent three years with and handed off the concept and the building of the kingdom of God changed the world. What could happen in Rosenberg in Richmond, in Sugarland, in Katy, in Wharton, in the greater Houston area, if we got the kingdom of God inside of us in such a real and powerful way, what would happen? I think we might change the world. Third thing is the kingdom has a territory. You got to have territory, dominion. A king can't be king over nothing. 
Otherwise, he wouldn't be king. Look at what Revelation eleven fifteen, and this is in the future. This will be an announcement that's made one day soon. I believe Jesus is coming back. I don't think it's going to be another generation. I wholeheartedly believe he's coming back in our generation. And look at what's going to be spoken. In verse 15, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. The fourth thing is the kingdom has citizens. When we're born again, we become citizens of God's kingdom. We're born again. And then that kingdom gives us what you call citizenship. Once we're born into the kingdom of God, look at Philippians 3.20, it says, but our citizenship is in heaven. So when you're born again, you say, well, I don't feel like I fit. You don't fit. You're a foreigner. Doesn't make sense. You're not the same. You, you're never going to make it the same. It's never going to be the same. So what you have to do is you have to say, look, I'm not of this world. I'm a citizen of heaven. And therefore, if I'm a citizen of heaven, I need to learn the culture of heaven, the language of heaven, the actions of heaven, the principles of heaven, the laws that govern that kingdom. You see how kingdom becomes the whole foundation for this series? Here's a great term if we wanted to term kingdom. It's this, a kingdom is the governing influence of a king over a territory, impacting that territory with his purpose. Here, throw it up on the screen if you don't mind, whoever's got that. Look, a kingdom is the governing influence of a king over a territory, impacting that territory with his purpose and will to produce a culture and lifestyle for his citizens. So let me say that again. I want you to get this inside of you. Think about it. a kingdom is the governing influence of a king over a territory, impacting that territory with his purpose and will to produce a culture and a lifestyle for his citizen. So what is culture? Culture is a way of thinking. It's a way of talking. It's a way of acting. It's a way of responding. And think of us. We all are immersed in a culture. There's, there's the American culture. I mean, no, we got a culture. If you don't think we have a culture, just travel to any foreign country and you'll realize they know. They say, oh, you must be American. Why? Because there's a culture that we not only get to enjoy here, but we take it everywhere we go. If you go into Mexico, how many know Mexico has a culture? How many know England has a culture? Every society has a culture, and that culture is made up of the thoughts and the words and the actions and the beliefs of the people that live in that land. And so let me just define kingdom culture. This is super important for us as believers. Kingdom cultures, when the kingdom of God within you impacts the world around you. The kingdom of God within me 
impacting the world around me. So first it transforms me, and then it transforms the world. And let's not get them out of order. It's not about going and doing first. Yes, we need to go and do the things God's called us to. But listen, if you don't have the power, if you don't have the life of God on the inside of you, you'll be nothing more than false advertisement to the world. So first we gotta say, God, fill me inside, and then I can take it outside. God, let your kingdom reign inside, and then it can impact the world outside. You think differently. You talk differently. You act differently. You live differently. I mean, think about what would happen if we had kingdom marriages, kingdom families, kingdom finances, kingdom businesses, kingdom health. Imagine how every area of your life, it's not just one area. God, I'll give you this area or that area. No, no, he wants us to surrender every area of our life. And then the kingdom of God was so strong inside of us, it couldn't help but impact my marriage and my family and my coworkers and this community and my body and every area of my life. But it goes from the inside and then it flows to the world outside. Imagine being so full of hope and grace and peace and strength and love and full of the power of the kingdom of God. I promise you, you'd walk around, you'd slip up and change the world. Why? Because you couldn't help but let that just bubble out in the way you talked, in the way you behaved, every area of your life. And I'm telling you, there's a church that's rising up in this place right now and in hundreds of locations that we're rising up because the power of the kingdom of God is within us. Kingdom culture. Kingdom culture, kingdom culture. It's a lot like a thermostat and a thermometer. When you think of a thermometer, what's, what's it do? It goes in and it just takes the temperature of what's happening around and you know, it's great. I mean, no, it's, and in Texas, look, a thermometer is a great thing to have just because you don't know, yesterday it was like 70 something degrees, today it's like 22, no. It's like Texas, I feel like the only place you could swing 40 or 50 degrees in one night. But if you got a thermometer, the only thing you can do is say, yep, it's cold. Yep, it's hot. But if I got a thermostat and my house is cold, guess what? I can put on the heat and it begins to warm up the house. If it's hot, I can turn down the temperature and let the cold AC blow in and allow it to impact the entire house. And I think it's time for a church to not just be some thermostat, thermometer. We just out there getting the read, but to be a thermostat everywhere you go. Think about this at your job. Yeah, there's a lot of sin. Yeah, there's a lot of backbiting and talking and complaining, but you don't have to go in there and take it. You just say, no, I'm going to change the culture. What if you were positive? What if you were disciplined? What if you walked in and said, I'm going to speak life and not death. I'm going to walk in and change the atmosphere of what's happening in my job. You're not a victim. The thermostat. It's like everywhere you go. And see, when you get this, the principal thing you've got to know is that God wants to establish his kingdom within you and expand his kingdom around you. 
And so once it's in me, it's like, God, I've got an assignment. What's that? To go be the salt, to go be the light. That means everywhere I go, if I go into the supermarket, if I go into Kroger's, come on, or H-E-B, or God forbid, Walmart, you go in there, you don't allow them to mess you up and to get you all frustrated. No, no, they may be frustrated, but if you would recognize the kingdom is within me, and if I could go, and though they're rude, I could be nice, and though they, they don't help me, I could go in and show them some love, what'll happen is, Everywhere you go, they're like, that person didn't act like the other 99 people that I met. There's something different. There's something different. And you realize the reason they were ugly, the reason they were mad is because they're hurting, they're broken, they're famished, they're dehydrated, they're dying. And you're their only drink of water. You're the only one that's got the life on the inside. And it's like, God, I'm just going to give it out. I'm 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 going to set the temperature everywhere I go. Think about how our lives would change. I'm tired of seeing victims. I'm tired of people saying, well, they did this and they did that. Yeah, but did you know that Jesus died on a cross, but he didn't stay dead, but God resurrected him. And that resurrection power is on the inside of you. And I know that if that moves from the inside to the outside, it can help but change the world. I want to encourage us, kingdom culture, kingdom culture, kingdom culture, kingdom culture, the kingdom inside of me, impacting the world around me, kingdom inside of me, impacting the world around me, the kingdom inside of me, impacting the world around me. 